We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast hello everybody and welcome to the pack a day podcast i am your host of this episode i am jacob westendorf i am joined as i always am by ross uglum and jacob morley guys it is the first true off season podcast for the Packers uh, because last week, obviously we had the, the lions game to go over this week. No such thing. Um, no lions game to run, no playoff game to run. Maybe some pointing and laughing to our friends to the North who pred- well, I don't want to say predictably, but I think everybody on this show, if you had asked them last week, that would have picked the giants to win that game. So they lose to the Giants, and the NFC North is no longer represented in the playoffs. Um, Zadarius Smith, again, I'm not 100% sure if he played. I don't know if there's a better combination in the NFL right now than Zadarius Smith and uh, disappearing in games played in January. But that is uh, where we're at now. But that's not really why we're here. But I do want to take a couple pokes at the Vikings. While I can, everybody, welcome again, like I said, to the show. Ross is with me. Ross. Paul Allen said what exactly about our old friends at Darius today? Uh, he called the last two months of Z's season a disappearing act, which uh, especially for a guy that's and, and I think there's certainly a chance that he'll get released just because of the cap savings. But like 
for the head cheerleader to say that about a guy who's still technically on the team and still on under contract for the next season is, is pretty wild. <laughs> head cheerleader. Well, you didn't yeah, like that was, that was, that was pretty good. Uh, head cheerleader is pretty good, especially considering like, I believe the term Ian Rappaport used was a true professional, um, which okay. is, couldn't be between uh, Paul Allen, Scott Zolak from the New England Patriots radio broadcast, like any radio person. And I understand there's some fandom that goes into it. And I like that. I think Larravee is a really good example. Larry McCarron, I think is a good example of it. They're very clearly pro Packers and that's what you want. They work for, for the team, but it's the, it's the guys that like, if you listen to a Patriots broadcast, Zolak is smack talking opposing players yeah. for the other team. Paul Allen does the same thing. It gets um, kind of icky. Exactly. And it's just like, okay, like I understand you want the team, you want the team that you're announcing for to win, but at the same time, let's, let's find some level of, you know, you're not the, you're not the idiot like me that's sitting at home on your couch and can say whatever and whenever you want uh, and probably shouldn't, but that's, that's the case for that. That was funny. Jacob Morley, any other like final jokes to, to poke and prod for our, for our friends in, in Minnesota? Not really. I mean, it was fun. You know, it's it's like a it's like an ointment to put on a burn a little bit, but we're still we're still hurting too ourselves, you know, for not making the playoffs. And I will say the only thing that I do want to say is to the losers that want to be like, oh, pretty funny for Packers fans to be making fun of Vikings fans for whatever, you know, like nah, shut up. I think Andy Herman said it yesterday on this very show, life's too short. Life is too short. This is supposed to be fun. Yes, the Packers stunk this year, but that doesn't mean it's not still funny when the Vikings blow it in the playoffs every year. It can still be funny. Both things can be true. Um, but I am ready. I'm ready to move on. Ready to move on and start looking, you know, reflecting on this season and looking forward to next season. And uh, it's going to be a wild, wild offseason in Green Bay. Um, and uh, we're going to have stuff to talk about again this offseason, fellas. Yeah, fandom and copium are kind of uh, interchangeable words when it comes to this time of year. Because, of course, I don't want the Bears, the Vikings, the Lions, the Cowboys, the 49ers, teams like that to win a Super Bowl. I don't like them. And I don't have the – there's this weird college – it's a mentality that exists more so in college football, but where it's like you're supposed to root for the same team from your conference or for your division. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, when the Packers are in the playoffs, I want Bears and Vikings fans rooting against Green Bay because you hate the team during the year. I want you to hate us now, too. And it's the same when it's in reverse. When the Vikings are in the playoffs, I'm not rooting for you to win. I never want the Vikings to win any game that they play. Why would I want them to win a playoff game, especially one that, you know, who knows? Once you win one playoff game, God knows what can happen from there. But you're right, Morley. There's a lot of things that we can talk about. What we wanted to do today was to look at the rookie class from Brian Gutekunst and kind of talk about not giving them grades, but a kind of a benefit of hindsight, would you rather type of situation. Uh, so we're going to start in the first round. I want to combine these two picks, um, obviously, because they're kind of put in together and it makes sense. Uh, they went to the same school. They represented a, a shift in the, or at least in theory, a shift in the way that the team thinks about certain positions, perhaps. Uh, but that was Quay Walker at pick number 22 and Devontae Wyatt at pick number 28. So morally, I believe we had an argument before the show started as to who was pulling what up, but I believe you have pulled up the next five picks. 
Um, and tell me who those are real fast. Sure. So uh, the Packers took Quay at 22. After that, Buffalo, Bill, Buffalo Bills took Kyer Elam, cornerback out of Florida. The Cowboys took Tyler Smith, offensive tackle, offensive lineman from Tulsa. The Ravens took Tyler Lindenbaum from the center from Iowa. And the New York Jets took Jermaine Johnson, the defensive end from Florida State. And then one, two, three, four. Oh, then, of course, a fun one. Uh, the Jaguars took Devin Lloyd, linebacker, Utah. Yeah, so Quay's better than Devin Lloyd, uh, and I'm not I'm not hearing anything to the contrary on that. I know there were a couple people after, like, two games that decided Devin Lloyd was better than Quay Walker. Um, that being said, like, obviously there's some things about – I'm thrilled with the way Walker's season went. I think he was an ascending player by the end of the year. Uh, maybe don't shove the people not wearing the pads, and, and we can really be cooking with gas uh, going into next season. Uh, the Packers don't think he has a problem. I would argue that when you do that twice, it's – Maybe it's not a problem, but it's trending toward one. But of those guys that you just mentioned, uh, Tyler Smith is somebody we talked about before the show. He's played you know, above average offensive line for, for the Dallas Cowboys. He's played some left tackle for them this year. He wouldn't have, I don't think he would have done that for the Packers. Uh, I think he would have played instead of Jake Hansen at the beginning of the season. Who knows how that causes things to shake out at the beginning of the year, especially maybe against a team like Minnesota um, for that first game. Cause really, when you guys go back and watch that game, and Ross, you've talked about this quite a bit before, but just watching Royce and Hanson try and block Z and Daniil Hunter and, and some of them dudes that they have over there in Minnesota, it was just a tough go. And then Jermaine Johnson was somebody I thought, like I was surprised that he fell to where he did. Uh, and obviously there was some reason for that. But with the state of the Packers' edge room, uh, I thought that was a, a spot where they could have added those guys. So those are the two and I think I would rather have. That's not to say that I'm I'm upset with the way that things have gone for Quay Walker, because like I just mentioned, I'm not. But uh, Morley, why don't you go ahead and tell me of those five, where would you have gone? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting just because I'm with you on Quay, and I, I like the way his season unfolded. Uh, when they made the pick, that was the most meth of mess that I've ever felt really about a pick, just because you kind of I kind of thought it could happen, didn't really think it would. Um, but you know, if you look at Quay Walker and you draw up an inside linebacker and you give him all these traits that you'd want to give him, he has all of them. Um, the one key one that he might be missing is just really, really high tier instincts. Um, I, cause I don't want to say he's not an instinctive football player cause he is, uh, but he just isn't like, to me, he's just not like in that upper echelon of, uh, guys that are, you know, the Luke Keekleys of the world that just, knew what the play was almost before it was run. I don't think he's that guy. He could be, I guess. But um, so we'll see. I, I like the pick after a year. Um, if I could go back and change anything and strictly just looking at the next five picks, I think Quay is up there with any of them. Um, you know, on the pre-show, we were talking about if you're going to take anyone, it's probably Tyler Smith. Um, and, and I'll let Ross kind of expand on that because I'm sure we basically have the same reasoning. Uh, another guy that's interesting is Tyler Lindenbaum, the center out of Iowa. Uh, but if you rewind the clock, there's just no way they would have taken a center with their, you know, previous second round pick coming back in Josh Myers. Now, after Josh Myers is at two seasons under his belt, I think you would probably rather move forward with Lind with Linderbaum being your center. Uh, but that's not to say Josh Myers still can't figure it out and really become a high level player. But, you know, this is all stuff that hindsight is 2020. So I'll kick it over to Ross. Um, and Ross, kind of 
walk us through same same question and uh if if your answer is tyler smith kind of expand upon that yeah i I think tyler smith for me is just a guy i had way higher than than uh quay and you know at this point i i I really feel like would have now solidified uh the um guard position that isn't Elton Jenkins, whether you have Elton play right and, and Tyler Smith play left or, or, or keep Elton at left guard. I don't really care. I just think that they would end up, you know, really locking in, especially now that Jenkins has a long-term contract. I, I think it's something uh, kind of sitting in Langy that they could have done. And, and I like John Runyon jr. Um, I just think Tyler Smith, especially with his size has the ability to be a little bit more of a two-way player as opposed to more of a pass blocking specialist, which is, uh, what Runyon Jr. is now. Um, I don't view Quay as, you know, like a super valuable player. Uh, just I don't I don't know that he's good enough in coverage to be like a Matt Milano type. Um, I think we're just going to end up like, okay, he's a above average inside linebacker. And I don't know what, you know, kind of value that really has. Um, I, yeah, and I, I've gone into this for ever and ever, you know, about how the Chiefs won the Super Bowl with, you know, two upturn brooms in a bucket at inside linebacker and you know so on and so forth that's it's a point that i'll drive into the dirt but i just i wouldn't have done what they did i certainly wouldn't have done it with quay and you move on uh, but I, I would have taken tyler smith in that spot or um even kick the tires on on kyrie if you believe linderbaum could play guard i'd kick the tires on that too because i think there are people that think myers can play guard and and so those two uh would have been interesting to, to see together. The next pick on the, on the dock was Devonte Wyatt. He was picked number 28. Uh, it was kind of funny watching that all play out. Cause of course the Packers pick Quay. And then normally you have kind of this, this dry down period where it's like, Oh, okay. Who, here's who they picked. Here's the press conference, blah, blah, blah. If memory serves, I think Quay Walker was on the phone with the Packers media when Devonte Wyatt got picked and was like elated when that happened. But a lot of people were starting to talk like, okay, this has to be a pass catcher or a player on offense, and then it wasn't. It was Devontae Wyatt. Uh, Morley, the next five picks after him, I know one of them – well, let's just go to the end of the first round because obviously you're not picking player 33 in the first round. Well, I mean, they could, but you know what I mean. So, yes, the Wyatt. Uh, let's see, pulling that up. Sorry, I lost my – Okay, well, Devontae Wyatt was picked at 28, followed by Cole Strange, offensive guard, Chattanooga, uh, George Karloftis, Edge, Purdue, Daxton Hill, safety, Michigan, Lewisine, safety, Georgia, Logan Hall, defensive end, Houston. Uh, if we expanded this to six, guys, Christian Watson was picked at 34. And uh, I, I will I'll, – I'll touch on this quickly. I would take Christian Watson at 28 not have to move up for him and have my two second round picks. That is what I would do in a, in a perfect world, but that's not the game we're playing. Uh, so I, I, this one will be interesting because I know Ross, Ross loved Devonte Wyatt coming out. Uh, this was a fist pump pick for him. And it was like, it was the opposite for me. I was not a big Devonte Wyatt fan when they initially drafted him. I kind of rolled my eyes. Uh, there was, you know, just he's an older prospect. I didn't quite see the juice on tape that he has shown um, at, you know, in Green Bay at this point. And I think at 28, you got to be pretty, pretty pleased with what uh, he, he, he has shown his rookie year. Um, the two safeties 
you know, looking at the roster that is this year and how they're probably going to need to really rework that room. Uh, The two safeties would be nice just because uh, that's a a huge position of need. I'm not sure how Daxton Hill has been for Cincinnati. I know. Basically. Okay. And Lewis seen had a catastrophic ankle injury uh, for the Vikings, which is really unfortunate for him. Loved him coming out of Georgia. Um, That's probably the Georgia player I would have taken at 28 is seen. Uh, but we really don't know about him and, and might not ever. I don't know if he'll ever get back to form um, after. I mean, I think he 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 broke and tore and did a bunch of just really nasty stuff to his ankle, uh, which is just awful. But looking back on it a year later, I think the only guy on that list that you would say, hey, I'd take him over wide is Carl Optis, who is a kid, another guy that I really liked, a guy that I think would be really, really nice in this edge rotation. Uh, but with the way Wyatt played the, down the stretch this year, it's closer than it would have been at like midseason. At midseason, you'd have been like, well, give me any of these guys over Devontae Wyatt. Kid can't see the field. And that just would have been me confirming priors anyways. But, you know, taking a step back and looking at it, like, man, Devontae Wyatt from the position he plays, uh, the juice that he did show once he was in Green Bay, I think there's a lot to be excited about with this kid at 28. Um, so right now, I would still take Carl Loftus. Carl Loftus would be my pick at 28 if I could go back and redo the thing. Um, but Devontae Wyatt, if both these guys reach their potential in Carl Loftus and Wyatt, I think there is a very, very real case to be made that Devontae Wyatt is the more valuable player just because it is so hard to find interior pass rush in today's NFL. And if you have that guy, he is worth his weight in gold. Um, not that it's easy to find edge rushers because it certainly isn't. Uh, but I don't think Carl Loftus is like a high-end edge rusher. I think he's just going to be like a really good football player for a long time. Um, so my pick is Carl Loftus, uh, but Devontae Wyatt, not too far behind. Um, and so I, I do want – I'll kick it to Ross just because I know, Ross, you love Devontae Wyatt coming out, and you love that pick. Has Has anything changed over the course of the season? No, not really. I mean, you go back and look at the the Packers big board that I made, though, before the draft. And and keep in mind, this has shifted towards the Packers. So, you know, last year there weren't quarterbacks really on it and other positions of strength for for uh, Green Bay weren't, you know, high. I get, you know, a lot of it got pushed down. But my number my number eight overall player for Green Bay was Carl Aftis. Um Christian Watson checked in at number 10. Uh and then uh, Devontae Wyatt at number 17, if we're talking about, you know, the, the, the guys that we're, we're, we're kind of speaking on right now. Um, so at the time, I would have taken Carl Aftis over Wyatt. Uh, Carl Aftis with 48 pressures in his first year uh, with, uh, with the Chiefs, um, you know, didn't get a, a great tackle grade, was given 12 missed tackles for an edge. That's, that's not great, but still an extremely young prospect, too. Um, and anybody that can get 48 pressures as a rookie, I, I'm interested in. I, I want to check that pr- that player out. So for me, it's it's one of those two. I don't really care. Um, Devontae Wyatt, and 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 certainly if you're going to tell me then that by the way, go and look at the, the the final big board. Who might you find at 39 overall? Kingsley Anagbari. And I'm not. This isn't. You know, hindsight's 2020, or I didn't go back and change anything. I had Kingsley as a top 40 player for the Packers 
in last year's draft. And they took him around five and he's an immediate defensive contributor, not a special teamer, a defensive contributor. So, you know, would I rather have, if you guarantee, if you guaranteed me an Igbari, then I take Wyatt. And by the way, the Packers have both players. So I'm, I'm good with Wyatt. He showed everything I needed to see. Um, believe he was first team all rookie for PFF on the defensive line. Um, he's a stud. And, and I saw that at, at Georgia didn't care that he was older, probably won't care that anybody's older, you know, unless it's like Stetson Bennett until this bonus COVID year thing is done and gone. Um, if you're, you know, you're going to show me a 20 year old who, who is excellent. I'm, I'm going to be excited about that or maybe more excited about that. But, uh, his age didn't scare me. I had him as a, I think, top 20 overall player, certainly a top 20 player on the Packers big board, as I knew they needed um, interior defensive line. And frankly, he was my number one interior defensive lineman for what the Packers needed. I had him above Logan Hall and I had him above Jordan Davis. Yeah, I, I liked Wyatt. I liked I liked the pick. Um, was disappointed, did prefer Carlaptis. And to be clear, I would have taken Carlaptis where they took Quay as well. Um, just as where I had everything to shake out. But I mean, using the benefit of hindsight, I would, I would probably still take Carl Aftis regardless of, of how Enigbara did. And I did like him, but um, I, I just still would have done that. I think that if you can, especially if you can rotate, you know, those, the Packers edge room last year, had it ever been healthy, would have been like the equivalent of a, just a, a fever dream for me. Um, being able to rotate, Merciless, the Smiths, and Rashawn Gary um, being able to do that. So if you have Carl Aftis and Enigbare, you're able to do that this year if you're if you're the Packers. They they weren't able to do that because Jonathan Garvin and Tipa and all these other rotational edge guys just haven't amounted to much. Um, and, and that's okay. I mean, they're they're seventh round undrafted free agent types. I mean, you don't expect a whole lot of that. The safeties, I did like both of those guys, but again, having seen, you know, Lewisine didn't play. Um, very much, and, and Daxton Hill hasn't played, and that's mostly by coach's decision. So you're curious, kind of what's going on there. But I, I'm good with Wyatt. You know, I, I think that by the end of the year, you saw the juice, kind of like that you were talking about. Um, he is certainly, and this was true coming into the season. He is their second most talented interior defensive lineman. He's somebody that I think, if you can get past the maturity issues and, and some of that stuff, which is, those are real things. I mean, you've seen that the Packers didn't not put him on the field for no reason. You saw him in the same kind of incident as Quay Walker bumping trainers and stuff like that. Like there's some stuff that you got to weed out, but if he can get through that, he's a guy I think you could pencil in as a starter next year. And you feel good about him being that extra rusher next to Kenny Clark on, on passing downs. And honestly, I was, I was pretty impressed with what he did as a run defender as well. I thought that was something that, that he did pretty good as well. Let's go to the uh, set. Oh, guys, do we even have to talk about the second, the second round pick? Because it's Christian Watson. And would anybody have taken on this show Christian Watson with the benefit of hindsight in the next five picks? I, I just don't L think so. Listen, listen to the next five picks, though. This this one's interesting because, like, I think, yes, Christian Watson is the pick. And Christian Watson is one of the probably the five most valuable young assets offensively from this draft right and but look at this so christian watson was at 34 uh roger mccreary the corner from auburn was 35 Brees hall the running back from iowa state was 36 who was absolutely electric in his before he got hurt uh jalen petrie the safety out of baylor uh was in that 
uh, range as well, who was phenomenal his rookie year. Um, Arnold Ebikite, the outside linebacker from Penn State, which was he was actually kind of linked to Green Bay. He had a really nice rookie year. Um, and then Kyler Gordon, the corner out of Washington, went to the Bears and was terrible. Um, and then Boy, Boye Mafe, the DN from Minnesota, went to Seattle. I don't think he did much his rookie year either. But you do have – but Brees Hall and Jalen Petrie, like if they did not, especially Petrie. Stop it. If, if they did not – if they did not nail the Christian Watson pick, then that would be the guy that you would be like, oh, man, how good would how good would Petrie look in green and gold? you know, moving forward this year as their starting safety. But, yeah, like Christian Watson is absolutely the pick with a bullet. Like, you have to remake that pick. I think when you just talk about guys putting their nuts on the table and saying, like, hey, we're going all in on this guy, Christian Watson, and this isn't just for the Packers. This is, mind you, for pretty much anyone in the NFL. The Packers moved up as aggressively as anyone in this draft did for anybody for Christian Watson. And they nailed it. I mean, they they did. So props to Goody. Great pick. Christian Watson moving forward is uh, only going to get better. Only going to be more and more fun to watch. I said it when they lost to the Lions. Uh, The saddest thing about their season being over is we do not get to watch Christian Christian Watson play football for another eight months. And that is unfortunate. But uh, but they they got they got a, a future just star. He already, I, in my opinion, he already is a star. Uh, so yeah, Christian Watson's the pick, man. You don't you don't change that up, Ross. You gonna you gonna take Petrie? No, I Petrie. I you. I mean, I, again, I didn't watch a ton of Houston, but to me, these are numbers. And I know people give Pro Football Focus a hard time, but to me, these are numbers. 36 missed tackles for Petre and five, four touchdowns allowed with an NFL rating against of 111.1, giving up 74% of the passes thrown his way. I know he had the four pass breakups and the five picks. I understand all that, but that's a little bit uh, Trayvon Diggsian to me. Like, like I'm, I'm all good. I maybe he'll be fine. Uh, but there were some rough goes with 36 missed tackles and the four touchdowns allowed and the, uh, you know, just general not being able to cover people-ness of Jalen Petrie. And Brees Hall's a running back. You stop it. You stop it right now. Yeah, but he's really, really good. But he did get hurt, and that doesn't help. But with Watson – like Morley said, it, it, and you guys have said it, it's pretty simple. It is funny to me. So one little anecdote that I I think I've talked about on this show before that is kind of funny is so obviously they go through the first round, they take the two Georgia defenders, and somebody asks Goody that night, do you um, do you think you have to take a player that is a receiver tomorrow? And Goody comes like stone face, tells them no, and everyone's like, oh my god, like are you serious? You really don't have to. Well, then you find out the next day that not only did the Packers trade up to 34 to get him, they were trying to trade up to 32 to draft him, and, and Minnesota wouldn't do it. So there's a lot of uh, conversation to be had on that. So um, as you can see, the background here is going there. So I'm going to drop, guys, but I appreciate you talking to me. You guys can go through the rest of these picks. I would have taken Watson as well. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right. Okay. It's up to us. All right. Well, that's that's all right. That uh, uh, our other co-host was not. Not having the Jalen Petrie talk either, I guess, Ross. So there you have it. Uh, I made someone cry talking about Jalen Petrie. So Christian Watson is the clear, you know, clear pick at uh, at thirty four for Green Bay, and that moves us, you know, third round. Sean Ryan. Sean Ryan. So so you know, people, you, let's talk about Sean Ryan, the guard from UCLA. We don't know jack squat about him, right? He. What I will say about Sean Ryan is I liked him. I liked him at UCLA. I liked the traits, but I don't think he's he's not the type of guy that you draft and just say, all right, he is a plug-and-play type player. And a lot of that is because he's coming out of Chip Kelly's system at UCLA who just, you know, you go to Chip Kelly and look at who he's produced as far as offensive linemen in the NFL. Uh, going back to his days at Oregon, it's, it's a short list. Um, and Sean Ryan had all the prerequisite athletic tools that they like and liked. I think everyone has just basically written him off because didn't hear anything about him, right? Even before his suspension, didn't hear anything about him. Um, the only thing you ever really heard about him is he was struggling in camp. And, you know, maybe he stinks. Maybe he just stinks. Uh, but he is also someone that maybe he doesn't. You know, maybe he needs a year under his belt. and Maybe he can actually be a contributor for this team next year. I think uh, that's not something you bank on moving forward, but crazier things have happened. So uh, beyond that, though, it, it might be it might be kind of slim picking after because uh, he was the 92nd overall pick. After him, Tyrion Pr- uh, Davis Price, running back LSU. I uh, don't think he plays for the Niners. And then the Panthers took Matt Corral at 94, the quarterback from Ole Miss. Uh, the Bengals took Zach Carter, defensive tackle out of Florida. The Indianapolis Colts took Nick Cross, safety from Maryland. Here's the interesting one. And then the Detroit Lions took Kirby Joseph, safety, Illinois. Who's a confirmed dog. <laughs> yeah. Well, confirmed dog versus Packers. That 
You might, you, heck, you might take, you could make an argument, Ross. You take Kirby Joseph just so they make the playoffs. So he's not there to intercept Aaron Rodgers three times this year in Detroit. Because you'll win one of those games and you're in the playoffs. So that's the thing. I actually, I loved, I loved Nick Cross, the safety out of Maryland. He's a hitter. He's a hitter. But he didn't, he couldn't see the field for Indianapolis this year either. Kirby Joseph is probably the pick. Yeah, if you I mean, could go back and do it again, especially at that safety position where they need a guy. He he had a better year than Petre. I mean, from a numbers perspective, uh, ten total missed tackles, um, four picks instead of the f- five for Petre, but uh, gave up a opposing passer rating of eighty nine point two, which is a lot different than one eleven. Uh, Kirby Joseph uh, would be an obvious. Uh, pick over Sean Ryan even if you think Sean Ryan's going to go down the TJ Lang path which you know you're not very useful your first two years third year you get in a little bit and then you know your three year four you start to be the guy that TJ became and earned that contract extension and you know I think has a chance to be a Packers Hall of Famer um, TJ's a very good player and that could be the path for Sean Ryan as you mentioned reasons why he might be more of a project I get all that but um I would put Kirby Joseph on this Packers roster in a freaking heartbeat. Good tackler, uh, very good tackler, um, and, and obviously has a nose for the football. Uh, you know, Rodgers might not like practice as much, but uh, Kirby Joseph, man, uh, there's no question uh, that, that I would trade him for Sean Ryan in a New York minute. The rest of those guys, Tyrion Davis-Price, I don't think is much of a part of what they're doing in San Fran right now. Uh, I love Matt Corral, but you've got – Jordan Love. Uh, Zach Carter came on a little bit late, a little small for what the the, the Packers do at 6'4", 280. Um, I don't know where he kind of would fit uh, in, in the Green Bay's defense, maybe as a five-tech, but he's a little short for that, et cetera, et cetera. And I just would rather have, granted, this is hindsight, but I, I would rather have uh, Kirby Joseph than Nick Cross after a year's worth of uh, snaps. And, and by the way, man, 875 snaps for Joseph for the the Lions. The guy was always on the field. His the thing about Kirby is his tape was good, but he was hurt throughout the process and didn't get to work out for teams. And, and I think that's Illinois, kind of why uh, Illinois is yeah. in school, but like nobody's looking to them for players. Yep. I mean, I would take I would take Nick Cross over Sean Ryan at this point too. Like I'll take either of those guys. Just because I, I would just be like, all right, well, at least they have a young safety prospect on the on the roster at, the, at that point. Yeah. You know, so – and that's just – that kind of speaks to the rookie season that Sean Ryan had. And you already hit on it, which is good, but it doesn't really mean anything. He certainly could develop into a nice player for the Packers. Hope he does. Uh, but right now it just – it doesn't look like well, he will. And you honestly, know? dude, it's a tough beat because, like, so many of these Packers are ahead of the normal development like structure and and that has kind of very little to do with anything other than a they're good players and b the Packers needed them to do this the Packers were you know in a situation where they were replacing some veterans and literally just had to have guys that were young yeah yeah and man for how good this draft class was too it would be really sweet to just slide out Sean Ryan and slide in Kirby Joseph. Oh, man. <laughs> man. That would make you, it you really – Yeah, fortify the one spot that really you can point to and be like, oh, that one didn't doesn't look great. It would make it um, like 2018 Saints-type 
situation. I think it was 2018, but the mm-hmm. Ram chick, Marcus Williams down the line, whatever. Uh, let's, let's speed this up. Okay. Uh, yeah. this I'll, one, oh, well, this one, this one will be interesting. I want to hear cause the, the fifth guy after this one is, uh, is our boy. Delhi. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, <laughs> I, I, yeah, look, but no, Right. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Well, let's no. let, let the okay. So the people so for the people. So we're talking about Romeo Dubs. Uh, you know, obviously, you know. So uh, then after him, you've got Jake Camarda, punter from Georgia. Nope, that ain't gonna happen. Taking Romeo, uh, Spencer Burford, Burford, Burford from UTSA, offensive tackle from San Francisco, who I think has actually played for them this year, um, okay. but still taking Romeo. Um, Josh Williams, corner uh, out of Fayetteville State for Kansas City, has actually had. He's been you're pretty good. That, you're deep in that line. Uh, yeah, and uh, and he's been all right, but I still think Romeo for this team, you know, for what this team needs. Uh, and then what am I at? One, two, three. And then the Cordell. interesting one is for the Bengals. You got Cordell Volson, who is offensive lineman from North Coast State. Played has played very good football. Yep. Sports uh, for, Info. for Cincinnati. Sports Info and, Solutions top left guard uh, in this draft class. Um, six seven though. Uh, probably not a super athlete in the way that the Packer. Like I just don't like him as a scheme fit. I love Cordell, and I'm very happy for him with the Bengals. I would rather have Romeo Dubs on the Packers. Yeah, same. I think, and then Bailey Zappi, the cornerback, quarterback from Western Kentucky. Uh, I'd have, rather have Romeo. You know, for where the Packers are. So I think the only the only guy that I don't. Well, I guess there's two guys. I mean, Cordell and Josh Williams are two guys. They'd be like, wow, those are could be nice players too. Uh, but I just think for the Packers this year and what Romeo showed as a rookie, um, he is what this team needs moving forward. And we've talked about we've talked about him at length, uh, Ross. You know, is he someone that you really want to be like? All right, he's going to be our number two next year, and we're going to be just fine with that. Probably not, but he's still for a fourth round rookie wide receiver. Showed you a, a plenty of stuff, plenty of stuff to be excited about. I think he could be a great number three, like James Jones. I think he could yes. be a great number three um, and a passable number two. But I, I think mm-hmm. you want to try and improve on on that, especially um, – and you press man Romeo Dubs, and right now it's not great. It, 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 I'm not saying it's it can't be great, and people will probably point to that one catch that he made. It might have been against the Vikings. It was one of the last three games where he like sort of fought and stumbled his way through press man coverage and then caught an out. But like it's not much of a route. Um, he won eventually, but whatever. I'm getting into the weeds a little bit. Okay, here's an interesting one. Zach Tom. I I would not take a lot of people over Zach Tom in this draft because I think he's a legitimate, above-average NFL left tackle. So he's probably one of the 25 or 30 most valuable players in this draft. However, I do want to give you a chance to speak on Chig Okonkwo, and frankly, I, Sam Howell's interesting to me. I I would I would rather have Sam Howell and the years he has left on his deal than Jordan Love. I wouldn't. But, no. <laughs> I wouldn't. But I would. uh I would. But yeah, well so it's yeah, I mean it's Zach Tom who is was a home run pick, probably one of the best picks of the fourth round uh for the Packers. And everyone he was so funny because everyone knew he'd be good. Right? Like everyone just kind of assumed he'd be good. I will say this though, I get like standing next to him or standing in his, you know, 10 feet away from him at the Packers Rams game. I totally get why teams looked at him in person and were like, Oh man, I don't know. 
Oh, he's if you really put, good. If you put 83 on him and put him in the tight ends room, people be like, oh, yeah, I, okay, he's big, but okay. Yeah, he's not. He is not a big. I mean, he's a big man. He's not a big offensive tackle or a big NFL offensive oh, lineman. But his nice. man, his feet. I mean, he's narrow. He's narrow hipped, uh, narrow in the shoulders. His legs are, you know, skinny. They're not, you know, they're. He's that, just. It is what it is. But he just gets the job done. And so I get why he went in the fourth round. I totally get it. People ask, well, how did he last that long? That's why, uh, because a lot. It's for every for every person that pans out like Zach Tom. Um, there are 10 guys that had great college tape that just didn't have what it took to be an NFL player. Uh, Zach Tom looks to be an exception to that rule. Uh, but I do want to talk about Chigakonkwo, the tight end out of Maryland, uh, who was one of my guys from this last year's draft class, um, someone that I put my stamp on. I said, like, I really like this player. And he is a he, – he is, he is what the Packers wanted DeGora to be in the sense of he is an explosive, explosive athlete at the tight end position, but he's more of an H-back type guy. I believe he was he's top three in like every rookie tight end metric, and he and one of them being yards per catch um, and explosive plays. I mean, he just he was a really, really nice rookie uh, for the Titans. That yeah. said, that said, do you take do you take the, that tight end, that player, that guy over someone – that can play high-level tackle for your team. And I think if you go back, Ross, and you look at some of the other picks, and it's like, oh, well, you took you know Tyler Smith instead of one of these guys. Then I think maybe you make that distinction and in that, in that change. But for this pick in the fourth round, like I said, I think Zach Tom was probably the best, if not one of the best picks in the fourth round, or one of the best day three picks in this year's NFL draft. Oh, I and think that is one of the – I don't know that you need any of those qualifiers. Like, I, I think, honestly, dude, he's just one of the best picks in the draft. Like, if there's sure. a redraft yep. and, and people have seen him play left tackle, like, because they have. <laughs> uh, you go back to the times that Bach was unavailable. Um, this kid played ball and, and well, frankly. Uh, 60 or 54 snaps of left tackle against the, the commanders. Uh, 45 snaps a left tackle in Detroit, 66 snaps a left tackle at Chicago, 71 snaps of left tackle against LA, 16 snaps or 66 snaps a left tackle at Miami in a must win game. And by the way, clean sheets for Detroit, Chicago, LA, and Miami. Yep. I, I, if there's a redraft right now, does Zach Tom get out of the top 50? No chance. No. no chance. So, and he's listed as a guard. That's yeah. what's fun. And that's you know when they took him, people are like, oh, he's probably gonna have to kick in inside. A lot of people probably thought like, hey, he's probably a center, and he probably I'm sure he could play center, uh, but he's gonna be he's gonna play tackle for this team moving he forward. Have to in the and, seat of his pants to play guard. I don't think. No, he did, and I think he showed that. I think they right. the snaps that he played at guard, he did exactly what you would have expected him to. He is a stone wall in pass defense. Um, that can get bullied, and he's getting zero run in the oh. zero push in the run game, which this, is honestly a problem at tackle too. But if you can pass protect, you've got a job in the NFL, and and that can come with functional strength. That's the David Bakhtiari thing. Dave was the yep. first two years he was a trash run blocker, and I hope you'd admit that. And he's not trash now. You know he's no. above average, no. 
And when you're above average at run blocking and the best pass blocker in the world, you make $30 million a year as a left tackle. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how that thing goes. Uh, last one. And that's – well, that's what we called him too, right? He was baby Bakhtiari like when he came in and it's just like, man, don't let him play tackle because he just might not give that spot up. And guess what? That's pretty much what happened. Right. Uh, but, yeah, moving on to the next one, uh, your boy, your guy, uh, Kingsley Anikbare, someone that you should absolutely – uh, get a badge for because I know uh, that's something that you were you were high on him, and then he basically did everything that you think he would do. And I do want to say with Tom and Inigbare, um, I like to tweet out stuff, you know, just about like hey, pat like pass rush win rates and pass protecting, you know, efficiency grades and stuff like that. And with Inigbare and Tom, the first part of the season, their numbers were good. And I was having to fudge a little bit on the numbers, on the qualifiers, to be like, oh, yeah, bet with 50 pass block snaps, you know, who's the best? But by the end of the year, both those guys qualified, you know, they were right up there as far as snaps with the, the top guys. And they still were at the top of the rankings. So that's pretty cool. But uh, Inigbare, five picks after him were Matt Ariza. Yikes. Kieran uh, Johnson from... Kansas, Darian Beavers from Cincinnati, Kevin Harris from South Carolina, and Vadirin Lowe from Illinois. Would you rather have any of those guys, Ross? All right. Ross is violently shaking his head no, that he would not rather have anyone on that list other than Kingsley and Igbare. And I I agree. Uh, You look at this draft, and we talk about Zach Tom being one of the best picks in the fourth round or one of the best picks in the draft. And Kingsley Inigbare from the premium position that he plays at the as an edge rusher, you could you could say the same thing about him and how he really, uh, really, you know, had a nice rookie year uh, and is someone that I think we'll see how he develops moving forward. But that is pretty much all you can ask for from a rookie fifth round draft pick. Will he ever be a top tier high end starter in this league? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But. One thing that I think he has already proven that he is and can be and will continue to be is a really, really solid rotational depth piece um, that is super valuable in today's NFL. If you've got one pass rusher, you need two or three more. And that's kind of where Kingsley comes in is he can be that third, fourth option um, and maybe grow into more. We shall see. Uh, but we'll move forward. We don't need to do this with every draft pick because after Kingsley, they had uh, four seventh-round draft picks, and with those picks, they took Tariq Carpenter, safety out of Georgia Tech, uh, and we talked about Tariq last week. Actually, when he was drafted, he was a size, he was a size speed type prospect, and the Packers are probably banking on him being a good special teams contributor for his rookie contract. Anything beyond that is gravy, um, and he was just that his rookie year, really good special teamer. And maybe someone, maybe someone that can play actual defensive snaps for this team moving forward. Um, like I said, that's frosting on the cake if, if that happens. Um, but right now they've got a, as far as seventh round draft picks go, if you get someone like him that are one of your top special teams guys, that's that's a great pick. And so good for him. Tariq Carpenter looks to be a solid player, ascending player for this team. Uh, Jonathan Ford is an interesting one. Defensive lineman out of Miami. Did not, was not active, not one time. Uh, for this team. I don't know what they see in him, but they held on to him all season long. So, uh, And then when you have a draft class like this one, I'm going to give the guys the benefit of the doubt. Whatever they see in him, sure, 
cool. Let's let's see it again next year, um, and let's see if he makes strides. And the same can kind of be said for their next pick, which was Rashid Walker, who was a seventh-round pick that many projected to be a day two, early day three pick. Um, so a guy that has all the all the re- prerequisite tools that you like as a tackle in the NFL and actually played pretty well in the preseason when he finally got out there and played. Uh, we will see what he's able to do in his second year. Um, but a fun, a fun prospect, to say the least, to kind of see, hey, maybe they got something in him. Maybe they don't. But as a seventh round pick, 249, uh, that's all you can really ask for is some semblance of hope that they show you that they can play in this league, especially at that position. So uh, we'll see. And then last but not least, Samari Toure, uh, who is another guy that Packers fans I know are excited about. He is uh, he flashed a few times his rookie year at receiver, and I think that is exciting. And kind of with these other guys, uh, could he be someone to make that second-year jump? I know Aaron Rodgers really talked glowingly of him in training camp preseason. And then he was you know, kind of a guy that he trusted at times when he needed to step up. He did, and he made plays when plays were there to be made. Uh, so that's good stuff from a seventh-round pick, a, the 258th overall pick. Um, someone that, again, you probably don't bank on to come in and be your third receiver next year. But someone that hey, if you can round out into a nice depth piece for this offense, a good special teams player, all that stuff. Um, We've seen crazier things have happened at the wide receiver position, not only in Green Bay, but across the league. Uh, Guys sometimes slip into the seventh round and end up having really, really productive careers. Uh, Could Samari Toure be someone like that? Who knows? We will see. Uh, But that is all for us today on the Pack-A-Day podcast. Uh, We appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, thank you to Ross and Jacob, Jacob, who had to leave to take care of his uh, father duties. So uh, we wish him luck, wish him well, and uh, we'll catch you guys right here next week. Until then, go Pack Go.